In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. One of the most beautiful aspects for, of the traditional Roman liturgy for me is the internal logic of the liturgical year. Each mass formulary was carefully sculpted over the course of centuries, and as time progressed, prayers or readings were gradually worked and reworked until some text was found more suitable than before for the liturgical day that was being celebrated in order to express a central and sometimes even subvert message. That is one of the sacrifices of the liturgical reform of the 1960s and 70s. Since the lectionary of the ordinary form exists in cycles, the prayers and the antiphons of the Mass no longer correspond directly to the readings in an intentional way. But the ancient Roman Missal, however, presents a sort of spiritual commentary on the scripture of the Mass, a commentary written by the Church herself. And that is so wonderfully exhibited in the Mass tonight. The whole Mass is designed around the original purpose of today, the third Sunday of Lent. If we would position ourselves in Rome about 1,500 years ago, we would find a great procession through the streets of the city with catechumens and penitents and the other members of the faithful gathered with the Pope and leading to the Basilica of St. Lawrence, which stands outside the city of Rome. St. Lawrence is the patron saint of catechumens, which makes his church fitting both by its location, being outside of the city as a sort of gateway into the heart of the church, and also because the rites associated with the third Sunday. In ancient times, as is actually restored in the modern liturgy, today marked the day of the first scrutiny, when the catechumens would receive three separate and public exorcisms before the celebration of the Mass. This marked a firm shift in their preparation from a time of learning to a time of spiritual warfare. The catechumens today became warriors in Christ's army, They are claimed now as friends of God and of the church, eagerly awaiting full membership within her. And so naturally, the epistle and the gospel of today's Mass are aimed toward that theme of spiritual warfare. Yet rather than painting this fight as a bloody battle, the church today gives us a particularly interesting image in her liturgical commentary on these passages. A sparrow caught in a trap. If you look over the whole text of the Mass today, that is the theme of the Mass, a sparrow. Sparrows are one of the smallest of the bird species. Ancient cultures saw them as a symbol of youth. The sparrow is today the symbol of the catechumen, a sort of Christian youth, preparing to very soon enter into full adulthood into the church. And so in the introit of today's Mass, the theme was set with the verse of Psalm 24, My eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he shall pluck my feet out of the snare. What is this snare, if not sin? Now, of course, there's two types of snares of sin which we should consider. The first is for the catechumen. That is the snare of original sin. The catechumen enters today's Mass with his eyes fixed on the baptismal font, because there he will be freed from the trap that Satan attempted to set for the human race. In just a few weeks, he will be freed by the Lord in the waters of rebirth. And so he sings today as he enters with the procession into St. Lawrence's Basilica, My eyes are ever toward the Lord, 
for he shall pluck my feet out of the snare. The psalmist is full of hope. There isn't a hint of doubt if the Lord will act. He will perform this act of mercy for the catechumen. But the second snare is our personal sin, particularly our vices or habitual sins, and that is where we must arm ourselves. Our enemy is cunning and greatly desires our ruin. By baptism, we were freed from his first snare, but we must be wary. When a strong man, armed, keeps his court, those things are in peace which he possesses. But if a stronger man than he come upon him and overcome him, he will take away all the armor in which he trusted and will distribute the spoils. Our focus in this spiritual battle must always be to keep watch. Satan is the strong man in our Lord's parable, not because he's the strongest man, but because if we rest from the battle and do not keep watch, he will overpower us. And thus we are encouraged by St. Paul in the epistle tonight to never cease to attempt to rid ourselves of vice. He says, fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be named among you who seek to become saints or obscenity, or foolish talking, or scurrility, which is to no purpose. True spiritual combat in our Lord's militia requires us to humble ourselves in recognition of our consistent failings. And thus we prayed in the collect, we beseech you, Almighty God, humbling ourselves before you, that you will favorably regard the desires of our heart, and stretch forth your right hand of majesty in our defense. Christ is the true strong man. And so we must fix our gaze upon him, eagerly awaiting his defense. He desires that none of his own be lost, and we are his own by baptism. But Christ is realistic with us. His grace does not operate on our imaginings or our ideals or dreams. It works on reality, the specific, concrete elements of our lives. Even if the fabric of our everyday lives doesn't look very glorious to us, only there can we be touched by God's grace. The person that Christ wishes to save from the enemy isn't a fictional saint who bears our name, but is us, as we are, with our vices. But if we are to have him act upon us, we must in some way disarm ourselves before him. And so here our Lord's parable takes on a new meaning. We want to be overcome by the strong man, if the strong man is Christ. And to do that, we continually and directly seek him out, particularly in the Holy Eucharist and in the sacrament of penance. Father Paul Scalia teaches us, some enemies come at us from the outside, that is, the threats and the temptations of the world. But the more dangerous enemies come from inside, namely from our own vices. If we do not battle with them, they can bring down the whole house. Indeed, these enemies pose the greatest danger because they are the most immediate threat and require more than courage to oppose. This is our Lord's own teaching and the gospel tonight, as given in the image of a man who has been cleansed from one evil spirit. But the man does not keep guard, and so he's overcome by seven more, and the last state of that man becomes worse than the first. Even if we routinely seek out the sacraments, if we are not actively attempting to rid ourselves of vice, our efforts may not only fail, but our situation will worsen. Our commander in this battle of sin is a great warrior the greatest of all, but he does not tolerate lazy soldiers in his army. We must arm ourselves with the weapons of the sacraments and the armor of penitence. But Christ is not leaving us without hope. To strengthen us and to give us courage, he feeds us with his very self and the Holy Eucharist. 
The greatest battle was fought for us on Calvary, and we share that victory each time we approach the altar in the Holy Mass. That victory, the cross, is our battle standard. And the Church herself puts this message of hope on our lips tonight as we approach the altar to receive Holy Communion. The choir chants in our name, The sparrow has found a house, your altar, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. And so the church neatly ties up this mass as one package. What started off as a frightful scene, a little bird trapped and eagerly gazing at its master to release, has now found completion in the cross. Here, the sparrow is freed, the catechumen baptized, the penitent restored to communion with the church. It is what comes in between these two scenes that is essential for us to contemplate. What lessons did the catechumen learn that prepared him for baptism? What sense of contrition did the penitent gain? What efforts have any of us made during this Lenten season to readily prepare ourselves for the Paschal event? Brethren, be followers of God as most dear children, and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and delivered himself for us as an oblation and a sacrifice to God. For you were before in darkness, but now in the light of the Lord. Walk then as children of that light, for the fruit of the light is in all goodness and justice and in truth. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.